Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by our colleague, Tim Miller. Tim, did you, did you break open the champagne like I asked you to this morning? I'm having a mimosa here in Oakland, Charlie. It's, you know, early. Um, so I'm there. looking forward to it, yeah. Okay, so uh, before we, we get into the day's crazy here, uh, we have to just, you know, a little, little personal news that we crossed the the line of 40 million downloads since the inception of the Bulwark podcast. So we we just need to have a little bit of a celebration. Yeah, 40 million. Small, modest beginnings. Just moving on. Dude, you know? dude, 40 million feels like a lot to me. You know, I just, it doesn't it? That's a well, lot of people listening, well, see, to, listening to you. Over time. See, this is the thing about doing a podcast every single day. And, you know, this was, you know, we really had two major questions when we started this. Like, does anybody give a shit? <laughs> that, was, that was the big question. <laughs> that, that was the big question. Okay. And then there were these other questions that related to it, which would be, you know, how long should it be? And, and can I really pull it off every single day? And I think the everyday thing is important because it makes it a, a habit and it makes a relationship. But, you know, I was just looking at the lines, how how small we started. It was actually pretty, you know, I mean, it was actually not really small, but it was, I would say, modest and and how it's grown over the last uh, two plus years. And I have to say, I'm, 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 I'm kind of blown away. You know, I am too. I, I'm too. I, I do. I just, I, I know that we, I say this all the time and it's, it's, this is not false humility. I really didn't think anybody was going to give a shit about this. <laughs> I was deeply skeptical uh, yeah, and right. I was totally wrong. And I'm grateful that I was wrong to everybody who's been listening. Well, you know, and, and the feedback that I get from people is, you know, that they, they, they just want a, a harbor of sanity amid it all. And, and they, they want to be able to be reassured that, that they're not the ones who are losing their minds, <laughs> that it's happening right. around them. And so I think that there's, you know, any voice that's out there going, no, you're not the crazy one. These are the crazy ones. And, and by the way, speaking of crazy, should we just start off with the MyPillow guy? Let's do it, my buddy, okay. Mike, Mike Lindell. M- Mike Lindell, who had a big, uh, big rally, and he laid out his plan that he's going to have this new platform. And he's going every every single day, every weekday, he's going to lay out his evidence for the fact that the 2020 election was stolen. And well, this is what he said. If they look at it, if we get out and I go, you know what, I'm a marketer, 80 percent chance. I'm going to go, you know what, they're going to have so much pressure to look at it because the whole United States will have already seen it, that they're going to look at it, protect our country. And it's going to be a nine zero vote to pull the election down. Yeah, the Supreme Court will be so blown away by my pillow guy that they will vote nine zero to overturn the election and put Donald Trump back in the White House. Okay, so I'm playing that because, see, you people, you're not the crazy ones. It's like, it's like, no, it's not you. It's, it's, it's these other guys. So. Yeah, uh, that that guy was in the White House uh, mm-hmm. after the insurrection, briefing the president. Just you know, just as a little reminder, just a little throwback to how uh, how crazy things were uh, during that during that period. Um, that that was a that was a trusted advisor uh, to the former president of the United okay. States. Yeah, I got crazy. Um, yeah, he. You know, uh, you know who else was in the White House? Who's that? Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Tim, the diamonds must be returned. This is this is the thing you need to know. What do you need to know today? The diamonds must be returned. 
This is the former president of the United States putting out a statement. If a thief robs a jewelry store of all of its diamonds, parenthesis, the 2020 presidential election, close parenthesis, the diamonds must be returned, <laughs> which I don't know. We're, we're making fun of my pillow guy saying that the election is going to be pulled down. Here is the guy who has the death grip on the entire Republican Party, and he's putting out a statement kind of suggesting that maybe they should give him back the White House. This is okay, so, so you, I'm, try, I'm still trying to go through um, this. This metaphor is a little complicated for me. Who, 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 what are the diamonds and who are they being returned to? It's not, it's not really working for me. Um, he, I, I don't, I, I, I can't get inside his head, you know, on, on this you, one. You uh, don't uh, want to, I, you don't want to, but I, I, I don't know if that, if this, if that is true, if this is just a, a bit, a long running bit, or if he genuinely does think that the marshal of the Supreme court is going to come and, you know, rule nine to zero by mandate and, and return the diamonds and put them back in there. Even if he wants to be back in there, uh, uh, it is, it is such a bizarre series of events um, and feels so, you know, we talked about this at the, towards the end of the election, how it feels kind of so un-American, you know, his, his, beha- his kind of Caudillo-esque behavior around, around COVID and having the convention on the White House lawn. And, and at this, you know, like this feels like something out of an old-timey novel or, or a, for a foreign country that it's that like there's this alternate media tour going to the Cow Palace in South Dakota to have a rally about the president in exile who's planning on being returned to power. I, it, it, it just is, it's bizarre, but it, it feels something out of a different time and place. Is that yeah. just me? Well, I don't know that it, it sounds like a novel because I think that anybody that wrote this, their editor would say, okay, you know, dial it down a little bit, man. No, 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 no one's going to believe any of this. So just to put this in context about the, the diamonds must be returned because people might think that I'm making this up. Just like, did people think I was making up when that, when I said that in Arizona, they're actually looking for bamboo. Because, I, I mean, you did think that that was I a had spoof, to Google right? it. Yeah, okay. I had to Google it. I thought this, that was a this, this, this is true. They're actually, we're testing the ballots for bamboo because it, on the off chance that the uh, that the Chicoms flew in tens of thousands of ballots from Shanghai or whatever into Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, to steal the election from from Donald Trump. And of course, because if the Chinese did it, then there must be bamboo in this. And this is okay. So this is the statement that that the former president issued this morning. The major Michigan election fraud case, whatever the hell that is, has just filed a bombshell pleading. <laughs> Claiming votes were intentionally switched from President Trump to Joe Biden. The number of votes is, all in caps, massive and determinative. He didn't write that. This will prove true in numerous other states. All Republicans must, all in caps, unify and not let this happen. If a thief robs a jewelry store of all of its diamonds, the 2020 presidential election, he writes, the diamonds must be returned. The fake news media refuses to cover the greatest election fraud in the history of our country. They have lost all credibility, but ultimately they will have no choice, exclamation point. So the delta between crazy 
my pillow guy and the former <laughs> president of the United States is pretty There's small, Tim. <laughs> There's no Delta. There is no Delta. That's why he was at the White House. That's why he was the chief advisor because he was telling him what he wanted to hear. I, I don't. It, it is. I, and what do you do about this? You know, like I, this is something that I just admit that I don't have the answer to because it, you, it is. You, it's you un- fire Liz Cheney. You per, it's you, unprecedented. You, you cancel Liz Cheney. The one Republican <laughs> who stands up and says, "Excuse me, people, this is crazy." She's the one who's going to be thrown out of office. And by the way, I mean, what the what do the rest of us do? Is what I mean, right? Like, what do responsible people do? Like, do you ignore this? Well, he's just faxing this stuff in from, uh, you know, the Uday and Kuse room of Mar-a-Lago. Like, uh, do you just ignore the fact that a former president is making these wild? Kind of claims that millions upon millions of people believe it. Like, do you cover it? Like, you should. I, I, you know, I, I feel like mm. you know, there was this point in back in 2015 where obviously CNN acted irresponsibly by giving them all this time, by you know airing the waiting you know plane hanger, um, and, and you know drowning out everybody else. But now, I mean, he's been the former president. He's the front runner to become the president again. And and he is making claims that are like indistinguishable from the guy with the loud with the uh, with the megaphone standing on the street corner. Um, well, so what, what what do the rest of us do about this? Tim, I do not believe that it is a coincidence that so many states are legalizing marijuana at this particular moment in time <laughs> because day drinking wasn't doing it for us. So I think that that, that America is upping its it, upping its game. No, I it's it's it is so bizarre. And we were discussing you and I were briefly discussing have we beaten the whole Liz Cheney story to death? And, and the answer is no, because it's so clarifying and, you know, I think Matt Lewis had a good point when he said, you know, they're basically, sing- you know, all this stuff about we are a big tent. Kevin McCarthy put out this this WTF memo. We're a big tent. Yeah, it's kind of a shriveled, toxic tent. But they're essentially saying that if you are sane, um, you probably should leave now. Um, we don't care where you go, but uh, you're really not not here. And, and they're all lining up behind this like this. This makes it we're going to unify behind all of this. And the problem is Liz Cheney. She just won't shut up about it. And it's like, wait, sitting down in Mar-a-Lago. How did, how did you describe Mar-a-Lago the other day in your article? <laughs> the redneck Versailles. I try to yeah. do a new one every time. Okay, the redneck Versailles <laughs> guy sitting in the in the redneck orange Versailles down there every day. He's pushing this, but but we need to unify by getting Liz Cheney to shut up. And and by the way, um, out of Wisconsin, all of the Republican congressmen who were contacted by the Journal Sentinel uh, reporter Craig Gilbert said they were going to vote to throw her out, including Mike Gallagher. Mike freaking Gallagher, who was kind of the, a couple of years ago, was sort of the Elise Stefanik of Wisconsin, if you catch my meaning there. Yeah, I mean, and he's a, he's in good standing now. You know, he does the rounds on the conservative media and everybody treats him like nor, uh, like he's normal. And he, Mike Versailles, or excuse me, Mike Versailles. Yeah, no, <laughs> Mike Gallagher, no. I should have had coffee, not that mimosa to no. celebrate this morning. Uh, Mike Gallagher, um, you know, was the one who was pleading with Donald Trump to stop the uh, uh, stop the rioters on one six. They aired that video of him um, during during the impeachment hearing, and then and then he goes on to not vote not vote to impeach even after Donald Trump didn't do what he was begging him to do for his own safety and for the safety of people around him. Uh, so yeah, I I, I I agree with you. I, I just sometimes yeah, it feels like the takes. Are, it, it's so I guess this is my point about whether we, we beat Liz Cheney to death um, because I I don't I agree with you. We haven't. 
But the take on it is just so obvious, right? It's it's just so blatant what's happening. That, that there is an entire party that is enthralled to Donald Trump that is putting his little feelings, uh, the, the fact that he's really sad that he lost and he can't admit it, they're putting that over our democracy. And, and it's it's gobsmacking. Yeah. I, you just you can't figure it out. But that is all this is about. This isn't about anything else. This isn't about all the bullshit. All the Kevin McCarthy's like, oh, we want to look forward and not back. We got to focus on Joe Biden. They don't got to focus on Joe Biden. They've spent two weeks talking about this. They they were the ones who kept who keep bringing up Liz Cheney. They're the ones that are holding a vote. Uh, you know this. You know you see the conservatives online. Well, you have to be on the team, or you know she's a neocon, or blah blah blah. <laughs> I, it's not about any of that. It's about Donald Trump's feelings. They are hurt, and and he is going to lash out at anybody that hurts his feelings. And all of these men, all of these cucks, the actual cucks, turns out, uh, are willing to do whatever to rub his belly and make sure his feelings aren't hurt. And if that means giving Liz Cheney the chop because she's saying just the obvious truth, then she'll get the chop. That's all this is about. You know, um, ba- baseball crank uh, Dan McLaughlin, who's become yeah, kind God. of this this uh, f- font of bad takes on all of this, uh, tweeted out yesterday that one, one of the things that makes this this uh, vote to cancel Liz Cheney differently, you know, as opposed to the last vote, is that this time you won't be aligning yourself with just with Matt Gates. You know that it's not a Matt Gates thing. And I I you know sort of subtweeted him and said, yeah, but you are. I mean, that's the kind of the whole point. It's it, you know Matt Gates is still there. And when they have the vote tomorrow, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to be in the majority. So the caucus has come around to their position. It doesn't make them any less Gatesy. They're still there. They're still doing exactly the same thing. Okay, so I have two yeah. questions just, that I want. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah. just just like and this is the just astonishing thing to me. I, he, she's got two public supporters right now. Is that right? Like I think a- I think Adam it's Tinsinger two and Anthony yeah. Gonzalez. I think that's it. I, I, well, I one, maybe one, one other, your friend from Washington, I think, issued a statement. Oh, did Jamie Herr Butler? Yeah, yeah, uh, I good, think, good I, for I her. So. Good for so her. I hope three, so. But three you know, I, I was reading uh, like the Utah, um, the, the the morning email from 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 uh, Utah political email yesterday, and John Curtis, who's like this, who kind of ran as this moderate, not really big Trump guy in the Salt Lake region. You know, he's like, well, I, I basically agree with what Liz is saying is right, but I, I'm going to have to vote against her because you know she's poking us in the eye with it. And it's like, wow. Uh, you know, th- they have all internalized this uh, I- idea that, that that the only way to be on message and to be on good standing in, in the party is to just play along with the, do- the with the lies that led to the siege of the Capitol. It's, I mean, it is. Okay. It's pretty unbelievable. It, it is and it's working for them. Well, it is. Well, I, it, it, and, and it could work for them. I mean, I do think that and I've, I've kind of been waving the flag people saying well you know this is this is suicide this is a political death spiral uh don't be so sure what uh what happens in the midterm elections if they win power they will think that absolutely we need to double down on this there's no downside to the conspiracy theory so I have two questions for you yeah um and I want to get to the the questions raised by Mona Chern and and others who are beginning to think you know um this is all prologue for what could be the real steal coming up in 2024. Before we get to that, though, I keep coming back. I keep getting asked this question. Why are Republicans becoming more crazy post-Trump? Um, you know, I think that there was kind of the illusion, delusion, naivete uh, of, of folks who believe that if Donald Trump was defeated and he left office, that the fever would break somehow, right? That we'd have a some sort of a 
gradual restoration of sanity. In fact, the opposite has happened. And I think in part it's because now everybody's freelancing and they're, and they're all out there. And, and the analogy that's working for me right now, let me just bounce this off of you, is, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and, you know, all of those folks that are, you know, jockeying to to be the successors. They're all like sort of, they're like drug dealers, and they're out there peddling the stuff on the street, and they realize that in order to uh, in, in in order to keep people angry, outraged, victimized, etc., et they have to keep coming up with more potent stuff. And so you have Josh Hawley, who's I, I picture him down in his basement. I, I actually went on the Daily Beast podcast with Molly Jung Fast, and I was I was I was working this through. Okay, and I, and I had this image. I started riffing this image of Josh Hawley down in the basement, Breaking Bad, in the hazmat suit, coming up with the you know, trying to come up with the purest possible meth to feed the base because he knows that Ted Cruz is out there and he's peddling some pretty potent stuff on the street. So Josh Hawley and the others know I can top that. And and if you if you go with the drug dealer, um, you know, analogy, you kind of understand what's going on with OAN and Newsmax and Fox. Fox is going along and suddenly they realize there's some new dealers and, you know, honing in on their territory, selling some really potent stuff. And people are shooting up and they're getting angry and outraged and they're thinking they're getting the truth. And so Fox goes, we need stronger meth. So that's that, that's that's kind of where I'm going to explain what's going on here. I, I think that, that that's part of it. I, I, you know, I when I had wrote, written um, when, when I suffered through Newsmax for 36 yeah. hours and wrote a diary of it, one of the Newsmax anchors tweeted. This was before January 6th. This was maybe in December. Uh, one of the Newsmax anchors tweeted that I was accusing him of basically being a drug dealer, yeah. you know, who is selling drugs to the bases and how crazy that was. And then, like three weeks after he sent that tweet, you know, people stormed the Capitol because of the drugs he was dealing them. So, um, guess guess score one for me on that one. Uh, but I. I I do think that that is 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 a big part of it, right? Like that that you know, in order to keep the retweets coming, you know, in order to keep the views up, uh, you know, you got to keep people mad. You got you got to uh, you got to turn up the anger meter. And and I do think that there is an analogy here to you know people who get addicted to drugs, right? You're know, like, I need two pills today to get high. I need four pills the next day. I need eight pills the next day, right? And so I, I think that's part of it. I think another part of why things are getting crazier is that. In some, in some ways, not in every way. In, in some ways, Donald Trump was an exacerbator of of what was happening. Um, I, I think particularly around the big lie, um, of co- because you know a more normal, responsible human would would not be able to just carry this on as shamelessly as he has. Um, in other ways, Donald Trump was kind of a limiting factor on the crazy because people just sort of got in line behind him, right? And whatever crazy he was selling, they were selling, right? And 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 so. Uh, right now, I think that there is this kind of open market for crazy, right? Right, and and I think that the um, the particularly the the Josh Hawleys of the world who are faking it, which is like ninety percent of these guys uh, that are at least faking it to some degree. Um, you know, there's some pure uncut magas out there like like Lauren Boebert, but but most of these guys are faking it, and and they are just very uncertain. They're scared of their own voters. You know, I, I remember this in 2016 where, where all of the other candidates, you know, um, on stage, you know, in addition to Jeb, we're all like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? Like how, what yeah. exactly do people want? And so you're, you grasp, you know, remember when Scott Walker said he wanted to put the wall on the Canada border? I right? do remember. <laughs> because it was like, he was grasping, like what kind of crazy do these people want? Like they're voting for Donald Trump over me. 
I think that there's a little bit of that happening too. Like with him off, you know, um, down in Cuckingham Palace doing the, his fax machine, like they don't know exactly what to do. Um, so I think that both of those things are explaining the craziness. But I, before we get to 2024, I do want to hit good. one other thing on the midterm. Because yeah. I kind of disagree with um, my, our, my friend Amanda's take about the strategy here from McCarthy. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think she's laid out an optimistic vision. I'm, I hope she's right about how this is a strategic mistake and it makes the midterms about the big lie. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think that Republic, that midterms are about exciting the base. If Republican base voters are, are still feel aggrieved and still feel convinced that this was stolen from them. If the more moderate Republican voters are looking at what's happening with Biden and feels that feel that the, the, po- the policies are extreme and you know, they don't want to hear about it either. Right. Like they, that, that message resonates with the wall street journal reading crowd, right? Like let's not right. talk about one six anymore. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I signed up for this. Let's just move on. Let's put Liz Cheney in a closet. I, I, I do worry that that while it's not maybe, um, you know, it's obviously not the strategy that I would want, and, and it's not maybe as as you know, kind of um, you know, the forty chess as as you know, you might think that that the combination of energizing the base and and convincing just enough people in the middle that the left is crazy and we need to move on from this stuff might might work in 2022 and oh, that I, ties us into 2024. No, I, I I do agree with that and um you know I think the the uh a lot of the democrats I think are a little bit of denial about uh you know how some of this stuff plays with with those swing moderate voters. Okay, so let's get to 2024 because th- this is a related question. Uh, Mona Charon um, and others, but she's in the, in the bulwark today. You know, is 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 raising something that's always well that's been growing in the back of my mind, which is where does this go if, in fact, Republicans that this this is the issue they are most passionate about is about you know, the you know stopping the steal. And she says she writes. Let me read you a couple paragraphs here. If Cheney must be act because she will not lie. Then what will happen if Republicans take control of Congress in 2022 and are called upon to certify the Electoral College in 2024? How many Raffensburgers, of course, the Secretary of State in Georgia, will there be? How many will insist, as Mike Pence did, that they must do what the Constitution demands? How many will preserve any semblance of the rule of law and the primacy of truth? With this sabotage of Cheney, House Republicans are figuratively joining the January 6th mob. And there was also, you know, an article in... And the Washington Monthly just laid out, you know, what what happens if Biden-Harris wins the popular vote by, say, 8 million votes and 30 electoral college votes, only to see Republicans in states like Georgia and Wisconsin decide their legislatures will send electors for Trump or Tucker Carlson or Josh Hawley? What happens if Democrats legitimately add to their lead in the Senate only to see Republicans refuse to certify those tallies as well? keeping Republican senators in place for the next session. Now, again, as I wrote in my newsletter, I said, I'd like to think this is far-fetched. You know, it's paranoid. You know, it's panic-mongering and hype. But ladies and gentlemen, um, given uh, January 6th and the way the Republican Party continues to bow the knee before the guy who says the diamonds must be returned, I, I, I don't know. So I'll ask you, Tim, you know, how how crazy are these scenarios and these concerns? Uh I mean, I, I think that they are crazy in the sense that it's not it's not like fifty percent that no. this is going to happen, right? You know, um, I, I, but I think it's it's a disturbingly high percentage, whatever it is. Um, it's much higher than it's been in my lifetime. Um, 
and, and your lifetime, frankly, um, you know, because you're older than me. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but, but spry. But spry, very spry. <laughs> um, so, I, look, I, I think that if you if you take what I what I just said about 2022, uh, the the map is going to benefit the Republicans. I think the energy will likely benefit Republicans. I think this is why it's important to keep talking about this to remind the suburban voters what is at stake and about how 2022 actually is very relevant to 2024 because of this very topic that we're talking about. Is there a way to to juice? energy and, and keep, you know, Democrats engaged who might feel, you know, like they want to check out of politics after a long five years. Um, and, and they're just happy with Joe Biden in charge and don't care that much about these midterms. Um, I think that's a big concern because if Kevin McCarthy gets in uh, and, and he is the speaker, you know, then he will be then kind of regardless of what happens in 2024, right? He's speaker during that interregnum period where you're dealing with all this. Um, uh, you know, even if there's right. a change of change of the gavel, not until everybody, you know, not until everybody gavels in, there's this lame duck session. So if he wins in 2022, he will be the speaker um, in in 2020 in 2024. And and I, if it's Donald Trump, you I you have to imagine that they're going to try, right? I, I I mean, I I do think that. As well, Trump, awful Trump will insist as, on it. Yeah, Trump will insist on it. As awful as the enablers are, if Donald Trump decides not to run and it's Ron DeSantis or somebody like that, as awful as Ron DeSantis right. is, like it takes a superpower of shame to be able to try to steal an election uh, as overtly as Donald Trump did, right? Like yeah. uh, other people, you know, you, you see how Ted Cruz, when he's pushed on it now, kind of backs down, and even Hawley kind of backed down, like, well, we were just asking questions. We just wanted an audit, right? Like only, it's really only Donald Trump and a handful of his biggest freaks who are out there saying no no actually we wanted you to steal it right like we wanted to take it back like i donald trump should be in power everybody else kind of plays these word games and so i do think if it's a different nominee um you know i, I think the risk goes down considerably for something for for something like this but i, I think the risk is still there regardless and you can tell that, that the republicans are trying to get rid of people that aren't willing to play along as jvl has written about no, I, I I agree, and 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 this is why I think folks on the left should care about uh, Liz Cheney. And I notice that there's a, a growing backlash among uh, pro- pro- progressives uh, who are saying, you know, screw Liz Cheney. She's a conservative. We hate all conservatives. She's a Cheney. She's a warmonger, etc. She's getting what she deserves. Um, you know, karma, etc. Et, et and with, they feel the same way about us, by the way. Um, and and unlovable, Charlie. Maybe you, but not me. My know. my pushback to that is, look, uh, you know, she's that cautionary tale. She's the person that they're stringing up on the lamppost so that nobody else dares to make the move. Um, in, in the way that remember like Mark Sanford, when he lost that, uh, that Republican primary after criticizing Trump, it's basically the warning, you know, anyone who speaks truth about this or, you know, takes a stand for for actual integrity, uh, is, is going to be strung up. And, you know, you can sort of see that that's what the Mike Gallagher's are looking. They're going, wow, I don't want to be the next Liz Cheney. And it's in everybody's interest to have a sizable number of Republicans who are willing to stand up against that. And it may be small, but it may make the difference at some point. You know, maybe it'll only be a dozen. Maybe it'll be, uh, you know, uh, you know, 10. Uh, but it is absolutely crucial that there be at least a small, dem- small D Democratic rump in the GOP Otherwise, you have a nightmare scenario. 
so I, I, I would I would caution the, you know, screw all Republicans, screw all conservatives. We don't need any of you. It's, at, at some point you will. And just one last point. I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here, but I think we need to understand how um, extraordinary it was that Mike Pence took the stand that he took and yeah. that he that he could have gone the other way on all of that. And it's kind of hard to imagine any prominent Republican doing that again. Yeah, I agree. There's this bloodlust that I totally understand for the left because I have it maybe even more than some of them sometimes because these were all my friends. You know, family feuds are mm-hmm. are more personal. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I was on the Dan Savage, um, Savage Love podcast where I gave some relationship advice. If you if people want to get really uh, NC-17 with it, you can go back and find that. And he was to ask about this where he was basically saying, I want Trump to run again in 2024 because he's so bad for the party and it's going to nah. ruin everything. And I, and I was saying to him, I was like. Uh, no, I, I understand that instinct. Yesterday, I was watching this Virginia governor's convention, and there's like a little part of me, the little devil on my shoulder that wants the insurrectionist candidate to get nominated, Amanda Chase. Yeah. And then, you know, the like not really great, but but at least normal, um, you know, hedge fund guy wins instead, Glenn Youngkin. And I'm like, yeah, honestly... That is good. That's fine, right? Because you never know what's going to happen. A series of events can happen, can get somebody in power. And, you know, if you have this insurrectionist candidate who accidentally wins the Virginia governor's race because there's a stock market crash the week before the election that next year, um, and, and you know, she's in there next next in 2024, you know, they could try this gambit where they're ch- changing the Virginia votes, right? Like that Carlisle Group hedge fund guy is not going to try to steal the Virginia Electoral College votes, right? Um, so he yeah. might not be great. But but it's better than you know having somebody that that has gone full uh, full you know autocracy full insurrection and and so I, I feel that way across the board I, I don't I, I don't I'll, here's my big secret Charlie I don't particularly like Liz Cheney that much I never did before this um, you know I, the, she, she was like the last person to come out for gay marriage even though her sister's gay and her dad came out for gay marriage because she knew she had this primary in Wyoming uh, she's a, she's hardline for me on on on. On some of the military stuff, I just, I, I never really, she was never my cut, cup of tea. Uh, and, and, and yet what she has done has been so refreshing and so needed that, that, that there does need to be kind of a permission structure for encouraging that, that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and I think that like playing this game of, oh, well, you know, if I'm ever nice to any Republican ever, then that might help them win one election. I, I just think that that's like this triple bank shot logic that is, that is part of the, you know, tearing at the fabric of our, of our democracy. Right. And so I think that we should be able to, acknowledge when people do the right thing and and try to encourage people to do the right thing as much as possible no matter how how noxious some of their other other choices might be okay just one one, one more thought on this and I just, yeah. I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling this up while you were we're, we're talking there's a there's a an article in that uh that well-known political publication vogue i don't know the, uh, the teen in- or adult teen or adult vogue Seen Vogue is going socialist. So, yeah, yeah, no this this appears to be this appears to be um, grown up uh, Vogue, and 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 I'll, I'll be honest with you. The only reason I'm seeing this is because I get one of those little Google alerts about my name, which you know. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, okay. Well, you want to know what people say. So 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 it, it pops up, and I was reading it last night, and and it, it's it's this full throated attack on. 
uh, on, on Liz Cheney that she's not brave. She's not courageous. You know, in the bulwark, and quotes me, called Cheney's vote to impeach Trump an extraordinary act of courage. Uh, and Representative Jamie Raskin, who led the impeachment, said in his closing remarks that Cheney was a hero for standing up to the truth. Okay. Then she goes on, but Liz Cheney is no hero. She's not really brave. Look, if you can't see what she's doing and recognize genuine political courage, then you don't understand what political courage involves. If you're willing to stand up against your own tribe, if you're willing to lose your position, your standing, your job, your livelihood, um, if that's not courage, then what is your definition of courage other than for this Vogue writer to say, I'm not going to say that you're a hero or a brave because I just hate you. I just I just dislike you because I, political courage is, as you know, is incredibly rare. And if this isn't <laughs> it, then, then what is it? You know, right. And and, you know, if you're if you're looking for the perfect person, you know, to to be, you know, someone that has been aligned with you on every single issue before you can say that they're showing political courage, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. Um, okay. So, okay. So you, you, you mentioned these governor's races, which are, yeah. are kind of like they're on the radar screen, but they're a little bit off. Um, you're sitting in California and I don't have a, I don't have a handle on what's going on there with uh, the recall of Gavin Newsom uh, or the fact that uh, Republicans seem to be, I mean, are, are they rallying around, uh, <laughs> an unusual Republican opponent. Um, so the Break recall down for me. Yeah. yeah, for stupid for for starters, the recall is stupid. Um, okay. And uh, California makes it way too easy to get things like recalls on the ballot, to get ballot initiatives on the ballot. It's just a matter of sign. It's a signature gathering. There's a professional operation out here that you know you can hire these guys. They get you the signatures, and you know you can have all all series of things on the on the ballot. That's why kind of California ballot initiatives end up being you know sort of the early canary in the coal mine fights on things like gay marriage and, and other issues mm-hmm. like that um so so here we have this recall caitlin jenner is is um you know the person you're you're probably alluding yeah. to there has been has been getting all the attention in the mainstream press this guy john cox that has run for governor here a few times has also thrown his name in the ring um and he is campaigning with a grizzly bear um which sure. uh a, a live grizzly bear is coming with him to campaign events and then complaining that the bear is getting more attention than him um to the local reporters out here uh this is by the way a throwback to maury what uh, maury taylor in 1996's presidential campaign he uh he, he called himself the grizz so it's a little historical throwback for everybody but okay. um good. cox and jenner are probably you know gonna be the um uh uh who rises to the top of the Republican pack here. There are some other names in the mix, other people that are considering it. Rick Grinnell was thinking about it, but, but it looks like people are coalescing around Cox or, or Jenner. Here's the, here's the thing though. And, and I wrote about this in a bulwark newsletter a few weekends ago. Um, at Cal, there is blue states, you know, there's sky blue states, and then there's like deep indigo blue. And 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 I think that a lot of people look at, at California and they say, well, it was a blue state back in 2003 when Arnold won that recall. So maybe a recall really is possible. But, but the state has gone from sky blue to the deep indigo blue in the intervening two decades. And, and, and in tooth and George W. Bush, you know, when he won California, um, he only won, or, or I'm sorry, when, when he lost California, Al Gore only beat him and John Kerry by about a million votes. I don't have it in front of me. Mm-hmm. But it was by about a million votes. 
uh, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by five million votes last <laughs> last time, right? <laughs> so I mean, the, the state, in the same way that you know Atlanta has trended more blue, but you know, kind of from light red to light blue, you know, San Diego, L.A., Sacramento, San Francisco, all these metro- metropolises here have gotten more blue in the intervening eighteen years. So, uh, meanwhile, the state has a budget surplus. Ah, look, the state has problems, right? There's a housing crisis. Some some people thought that the governor, the, the Gavin's restrictions were too too onerous, but that but they are all being loosened now. Where the state, whole state's going to be open by June. So the idea that a state with like with a growing economy, with a budget surplus, with restrictions being um, lifted, uh, that Joe Biden won by five million votes is going to be a real competitive race is just silly. And I think the political press kind of want it to be the case because because Caitlin you know brings the clicks and 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 they're missing that that fix that they got from from the orange fella so the, I, I i will admit that i have not followed it closely and yeah. the, the the strangest thing about gavin newsom to me yeah. is that he used to be married to the woman who is now donald trump jr's girlfriend it is really I mean, that's just that i i can't I, I can't grasp that that seems very california to me i don't know yeah, it, he's <laughs> he's kind of weird. He's pretty California. Um, in the inverse of Liz, um, you know, I always have to have a soft spot for Gavin because he was marrying gays in San Francisco be- way before it was cool. Um, so I have a little soft spot for him for that. But um, but yeah, his personal life is a little odd. And he he did a little photo shoot with Kimberly Guilfoyle that that if folks want to go back and Google that's. Trumpy, I would almost say. You know, it's kind of reminds you of the photo shoot of like Donald and Melania and uh, and Barron uh, that that go around. No, um, no, I don't want to see so that. I, yeah, I, it's just um, that is it is it is weird. Um, it's a little weird that there's that overlap connected by Kim Gilfoyle, but um, you know, uh, there there are plenty of things to nitpick any governor about, and I could nitpick Gavin on some things, but um, but I like the idea that a state. <laughs> that 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 voted for Joe Biden by five million votes is going to pick somebody that that endorsed Donald Trump, which Caitlyn Jenner did, and which John Cox did, and then the mayor of San Diego, who used to kind of position himself as a moderate Schwarzenegger type, but then went all in for Trump, Kevin Faulkner. I, I just don't see it. the the one The one poll that we've seen had Cox actually beating Jenner and Faulkner, and maybe there's that's sort of the interesting thing, you know, to watch maybe as a subplot um, is like, will Republican voters vote for a trans person? Like, um, maybe not, right? Um, um, Charlie Kirk celebrity. isn't. Yeah. Okay, so can we just switch subjects completely into a non-Trump yeah. Trump thing? Because I want to rant about this a little bit. Uh, the the CDC guidelines are back in the news again, and um, David Leonhardt of the New York Times has a great piece about the the CDC guidelines for mask wearing. And, and and last month, the CDC said, you know, that, that less than 10% of the, uh, you know, COVID-19 transmission was occurring outdoors. And of course, everybody, you know, repeated all that. And, and he points out that that number is certainly misleading. It looks like a, you know, tremendous miscalculation that, that frankly, there's almost no chance that anyone is going to pass along coronavirus outside. It's like the benchmark, um, he says, this seems to be this huge exaggeration. In truth, the share of transmission that has occurred outdoors seems to be below 1% and maybe below 0.1%. The rare outdoor transmission that has happened almost always seems to involve crowded uh, places or close conversation. Look, I understand that people don't want to you know, let their foot up off the, the gas prematurely, but 
you know, at some point, people just take a deep breath here. If you are vaccinated, <laughs> there's no reason to be wearing that mask outside. Your chances of getting it are just, I mean, you know, as, as, as close to zero as you can get. I mean, it's, it is, we're in the being struck by lightning on a sunny day t- type of <laughs> statistical risk here, aren't we? Was that the same article? I lo- I saw somebody posting this on on, on my little Insta feed um, uh, where where he said that like the CDC says there's less than ten percent of cases come from outdoor transmission, which is technically true, but it's kind of like saying that less than fifty thousand people a year are killed by sharks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like well, like, the answer is like fifteen. Um, so yeah, it's less than. 50,000. Um, no, I, I, I agree with this. Um, I, I got into a little bit of trouble out here cause I was, I, I did, sent a tweet complaining about, um, the lack of outdoor concerts this summer. I, I just don't understand why concert venues, you know, I'm a big music guy and I like have been dying to get back to shows and, and, and even the outdoor concert venues here and um, in, in DC and other areas, like they're not booking for the summer. And, and I, I got a call from, from an executive at one of these venues. It's like, well, you know, who, nobody wants to be the first one to move and people got to plan their tours. And there's all these logistics. I'm like, I, I just build it and people will come, you know, people will come. Um, and, and out, Outdoor transmission is just not risky at this point. I went to yesterday, yesterday an outdoor yoga class here at Yoga Love in Oakland. If you're in the East Bay, you should go to Yoga Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everybody's kind of looking at each other. We have our masks, and and the instructor says, "Well, you know, you, the CDC does say that small groups outside, you don't have to wear your mask." And, and you know, we're all looking at each other warily. And I was like, "Okay." I took off my mask, and everybody takes off their mask, and the smiles on everybody's faces. Oh, everybody really? was just everyone so enjoyed it. It just it it makes it more of a communal experience. And so here we are in deep blue Oakland, and you know, just it's okay. Be responsible, be safe, but it's okay to be the first mover and like get people, get some joy back into your life, you know? Well, see, I, I, I think a, a couple of things right now. Number one, I'm in favor of any of the bribery plans that people have Same. to get people vaccinated. You want to give people beer, you want to give them a shot, you want to pay them money. I'm totally for that. And frankly, um, I would be an enthusiast for anyone that would require, uh, you know, the vaccine passport, you know, Same. you can, you can DM me on all of that. But um, to the extent, and again, so the people understand that once you get vaccinated, you get, you know, you get invited back into the real world again, and it's going to be awesome just in time for summer. That's the biggest incentive to know that, you know, I can go back to a concert, I can go back to a ball game, I can go back to all of these things. Um, And if that means having to show that you're vaccinated, well, you know what? You did that for 12 years of your freaking life when you went to school. <laughs> this, I mean, this is the do people not know that you can't go to school without having proof of various kinds of vaccination. So seriously, so, just shut the fuck up about you know some this, of this stuff. You know, this makes me feel more bulwarky than anything okay, in our big right. squishy middle. But it's like mm. I'm in South Carolina two weeks ago, and I'm in this you know for the Lynn Wood event, and I'm in this air conditioned mm. like blowing air on yeah. the inside, no windows, and at no one, not a single mask is being worn. The spe- worn mm-hmm. the speaker is ran about how vaccines you know are big government bullshit and and it's just like and like so i go from that to you know a world where people are like well we're just going to keep our masks on outside even though even though you have an infant, infinitesimal chance so I, i'm not I'm not equating those two positions obviously one is putting other people's lives at risk and the other is being overly cautious but but it's but still it's just like the obvious 
what 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 seems to me should be like why isn't it 85 percent of the country that's like get your vaccines um be wear your masks in, indoors and then you know go have fun I, like a few weeks later like that just seems like the obvious position that everybody should have and yet sometimes i feel like we're the only ones that, that hold this position i know everybody it's, else it's, is still is still dug in on their on their 2020 culture war Okay, I want to be squishy about this other issue too. Okay, okay so please. Um, very, very uh, disappointing jobs report uh, last Friday, and of course everybody's pointing fingers at one another, and uh, there's a lot of criticism. The Republicans are saying that uh, one of the reasons why um, people are not going back to work is because they're getting too much in unemployment compensation, and you have governors that are canceling that. So Democrats are saying, no, 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 it's not because of the unemployment compensation, really. Although Biden kind of seemed to acknowledge that. A little bit yesterday when he said, you know, you have to you know, take jobs if you're offered it. You know, they're saying that, you know, you, you we, we, we need to um, if businesses are having trouble attracting employees, maybe they should pay them more money. Um, we need better child care. We need to get the schools open, et cetera. Here's my take on this. What, what if everybody's kind of right? What if, what if, yeah, you know what? There are people who are probably sitting and, you know, enjoying that extra $300 a week and don't want to go back to some shitty job. That's true. On the other hand, it's also true that if you want people to come and work at your shitty job, maybe pay them more than a shitty wage. I mean, right? And it's hard if you if you don't have child care, if you don't have a place, you know, to, to for you, for your children to go. It's hard to go back. To, to that job. So this is one of those cases where I'm listening going, yeah, you know, you might be a little bit right. Eh, you might be a little bit right too. Yeah, I kind of want to wait till next month. I just uh I'm going to take the um the, you know, this is is not why you get paid the big bucks as a commenter like we are Charlie, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I just uh, my answer to this is I just don't know yet and I don't know that we know. I think we're in a very dynamic changing situation with the reopening. I think that there are a lot of socio-cultural and economic reasons why people don't want to go back to work. Some people are scared of of putting themselves at risk, right? I mean, we we put a lot of frontline workers at risk. It's a lot of us white collar job folks who, you know, get to sit at home on our computers and get paid who are, you know, sort of pontificating about why it is that people who had to put themselves at risk over the last 18 months by in the service industry and other industries might want to be more cautious about going back. I don't, you know, so I think that could play part of it. And so I, I agree with you. I think that, that it's that definitely, you know, that the unemployment insurance might might be playing a role here. Maybe this can be a reckoning for some of these folks um, as far as wages are concerned. I, you know, I think that for small businesses, that's probably tough for mom and pop shops. But for a lot of these, you know, you're, you're seeing now these viral um, uh, fast food, you know, it strikes where people are like, <laughs> the whole Wendy's staff walks out. They're like, pay me more than seven bucks. And it's like, you know, Wendy's can probably afford to do that, right? And, and you know, we have gotten a little bit out of whack when it comes to inequality as far as executive pay versus worker pay at places like Wendy's now versus 1980s, right? Like there's been, you know, ch- changes in the, in the economy. So, uh, so maybe this can be a reckoning for that. So I, I, I say like, let's kind of see, um, yeah. you know, if this is still a problem in, it, it, it in July or August. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah no, um, it might have been an aberration. Well, I mean, I, I drove through. Where was it I drove through? Uh, it, was a, uh, it was a Taco Bell the other day, and they had a big sign up. They're looking for employees. They're having a hard time getting employees. But it was like, I said to my wife, look at this, the way they're advertising. 401k benefits, you know, tuition benefits, you know, paid vacations, health insurance. I mean, it was like, you know, bonuses, signing bonuses, uh, all of this stuff. And so, Good. you know, we were having this debate. They were having this debate about fifteen dollars, you know, mandated fifteen dollar minimum wage. This might get us there. I mean, it's yeah. we may we may not actually need this. Okay, so let me ask you a personal question, if you don't mind, please. So, when was the last time that you went to a job where you had to like go into an office and like be there all day? Um, I, a PR Which, firm after Jeb. So, like in twenty seventeen, it's been like okay. Four so years. it's so it's been four years since you have yep. that. Can you ever see yourself going back? I really don't want to. <laughs> you know, see, that's why I'm asking. I there, there was an article in the Washington Post. I think it talked about you know there's this kind of this massive reevaluation of work and life and everything going on, and yeah. you know, and I, I, I'm thinking about the number of people who are going. You know what? I I just don't want to go back to be in an. That doesn't mean doesn't want, they don't want to go back to work. But see, you and I have the privilege of being able to continue our work without having to go into an office. But boy. Um, I, I can't, I honestly, to be honest with you, I can't imagine doing it at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, I just got the yeah. pit in my stomach. Um, yeah. You get the first day of school dread, pit yeah, in my stomach, no. just kind of thing, just sort of imagining it in my mind's eye. I, yeah. Look, some people have to do it. Some jobs you have to do it, but I, I do think that there is going to be a, um, a reevaluation of all of that across the sec across sectors. Right. And so Great. I think that, that there'll be a bumpy, you know, kind of reentry. Hopefully we can land at a happy medium. Right. I, I think that there's something to be said for being around folks. Right. I, I think from a creative standpoint and, and, you know, mental health, even just sitting alone isn't always great. Um, and so, you know, is there a way to find a balance um, where where people don't have to do all these commutes and all that? And I think about this out here in the Bay Area where this is supposed to be the most liberal, progressive, green area in the country. And like everybody here does hour long commutes, right. you know, like, which is horrible for the environment, which is horrible economically for gas, right? All this. And it's like, why? Like, why haven't why? having all the brainiacs out here that are wasting you know with stanford mbas like come up with a better solution for this um you know both for employee quality of life but also for the environment uh, and so you know hopefully this can maybe be a spark for for some of that and, and there can be some reevaluating in that in addition to kind of reevaluating how you treat you know employees that are on the front lines of all this stuff no, I, I I agree. I think it's going to be a very, very dramatic uh, recalibration uh, in that respect. So, Tim Miller, thanks for coming back on the podcast, the, the podcast to which we, we mark going over 40 million downloads. Congrats, Charlie. Happy to do it. Thank you. And thank you for all your help as well. And thank you all for listening to the Bulwark podcast. We always appreciate it. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again.